successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Brill Nation. Get a hooter. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Grill Nation Show here on KMBZ 980 AM. And I appreciate you joining me as well today on iTunes via podcast and at Grill Nation Show. Dot com. Hope you're having a great week so far and uh, having a great time here as we enter uh, summertime here in Kansas City and throughout the country. Very excited about our show today. Before I preview our guest today and bring him on the line, uh, I want to thank our partners and supporters of the show. Without them, uh, we would not be on the air. They're great people here locally and nationally. The title sponsors of the Grill Nation show are Trusts. MoBank, BOK Financial, and Two West Companies, and Ryan Rink. Contributors of the Grill Nation show and on-air guest co-hosts include the Rieger and Jay Rieger & Co., Ryan Maybe, uh, One Light Luxury Apartments, and as well as the Kansas City Area Development Council, who will be joining us as a uh, quarterly guest here coming up shortly in the month of June. On today's show, we are going to uh, be speaking to Miguel Gamino, who is the, uh, he's got a new gig. He actually was the chief technology officer of the city of New York. I, I think many people have heard of that city before. He's now the executive vice president of, and head of global cities and enterprise partnerships at MasterCard. Uh, and he's based in New York, New York. We're going to get to him in just a second. I actually met him, uh, through a mutual friend who, uh, he worked with in the city of San Francisco. Uh, as well as in New York, who I got to know in, down at South by Southwest one year, and we became friends uh, and and had a lot of banter about NBA basketball and the Giants and Royals World Series at one point. Uh, but met Miguel in Kansas City when he was here for a Smart Cities conference. We had coffee, and I thought, you know, this guy's doing some pretty cool stuff around uh, technology, innovation, both in the public and, and private sector now, but also he was a startup person and, and built successful companies. And it's always a privilege and an honor to have an outside uh, Kansas City and come on the show and talk about kind of what he's seeing throughout the country, as well as talk about his experience both in government and in the private sector. So I want to welcome on Miguel Gamino from uh, New York. He's the executive vice president and head of global cities at MasterCard, former chief technology officer of the city of New York and Chief Information Officer of the City of San Francisco and Executive Director of the Department of Technology there. Miguel, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. So you didn't come from New York or San Francisco. You uh, grew up in El Paso, Texas. Tell us about, uh, or in the Texas area, tell us about what that was like and, and what was like uh, being in El Paso. Yeah, I... Uh the, the kind of the running joke was I, I wasn't born in El Paso, but I got there as fast as I could. Um, so I, I, I grew up there, um, went to public school there, went to UTEP, go Miners. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I, I had my first, you know, professional career type job there. Um, I, I 
kind of found my way to entrepreneurship um, while I was there. Uh, it, it's a you know it's it's a it's a big city with the small town vibe for sure, um, and uh, you know it's it's certainly left an imprint on on me and and who I've become, and uh, uh, always think about uh, you know what's going on in El Paso. There's tremendous amount of of progress happening in cities like that. I think across the country, I would I would probably go out on a limb and put Kansas City in that category also. Um, where there's, you know, just a lot of, a lot of activity and energy and momentum happening in, in those cities all across the country. And El Paso is certainly one of them. Yeah. El Paso, Texas has over a million people in its, uh, in its metro area and its CSA. So it's a little smaller, but it sounds like it's growing. It's pretty exciting. You started a company there, correct? You, you were a startup person. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I kind of, um, you know, I discovered this idea that we could take real expensive systems and carve them up and make smaller parts of, or kind of small pieces of these big expensive systems available to small and medium-sized businesses at a, at a cost that they could afford, which meant they got all the features and functionality of what the, you know, the multi-million dollar corporations could afford and, and enjoy, but they only had to, you know, pay for their, little part of it. And today we call that a cloud service. I mean, today that's what, you know, um, Amazon and Microsoft and uh, just about every big tech company on the planet right now has some version of a, of a cloud component to their strategy, which is that exact concept, which is taking big, expensive infrastructure or systems and uh, making them, you know, available for people to subscribe to on a kind of consumption basis. So uh, we were really, you know, way ahead of the curve in terms of that concept. We didn't call it cloud. I wasn't that slick to come up with the, <laughs> to coin the phrase. I, you know, I wish I had. I wish I could, could claim that. But uh, we were certainly, um, you know, in that group of, of forward thinkers thinking about how to, how to make those things happen um, over the Internet. And so it was a really exciting time. I learned a lot about, um, paying close attention to the customer. The other, the other thing that was a little bit of a, a trailblaze in days was I also um, intentionally avoided locking up customers, you know, on contract term. You know, I wasn't like I would force them to commit for multiple years. I wanted us to earn the business, you know, month by month. And that was also a departure from it. Back then, the tech industry was, you know, they'd, they'd try to get you locked into these service contracts that were, or multi-year, et cetera. And so I intentionally created this atmosphere where we were hypersensitive to, to delighting the customer. Mm. And that's something that, that also, I think, imprinted on my DNA that's served me pretty well in the, the subsequent chapters of my professional life was, you know, learning very early how to, to try really hard to listen. I'm, like anyone, not perfect but uh, really trying to pay attention to what the customer is telling you, what they need, um, uh, how, how to make sure that they're, they're happy and content and well-served. And if you do that, then, then you, the business comes. You I know, love you, that. You, yeah. So good. That's a good advice. we got a minute left in this first segment. Segment, well, this is one of our shorter segments of the show. You, um, 
What did you get out of the startup world? I, I'm looking at your bio here, and it looks like you were out of El Paso. We'll get to your job that you took on there in a second, but when did you actually leave the uh, startup world and uh, sell your business or, or get rid of your equity in those companies? Yeah, so I, I exited one, started another. Um, truthfully, the, the first one, the challenge was the transport costs were real expensive. So the second business, we pivoted to basically doing a private cloud version of the same service. Um, so we focused on people who had companies who had multiple locations. Um, and then I wrapped all of that up, um, gosh, at mid, mid 2000s. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and then I was kind of, you know, discovering what, what I wanted to do next. And, um, that's how I got, uh, um, talked into, stumbled upon this. <laughs> public service sabbatical, as I call it, that I, that I think we'll talk about next. Yeah, we're going to get into that after the break. Miguel Gamino is with us. He's the executive vice president and head of Global Cities of MasterCard, former chief technology officer of the city of New York, and former chief information officer at the city of San Francisco, California. We'll be right back after the break with more Grill Nation. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show, 980 AM, and also on iTunes and a podcast today. Also, check out grillnationshow.com where you'll find photos of all of my guests, links to all of our shows, as well as partners and supporter information as we continue to grow. We're in, uh, been on the air and as Grill Nation since 2015, but prior to that as Entrepreneur KC, enjoy being with you each and every week, and hopefully we uh, provide some value and some really cool guests uh, for you each and every week. Really excited today to have on our guest via phone from New York City. Uh, Miguel Gamino is the, uh, the executive vice president of and head of global cities at MasterCard, former chief technology officer at the city of, of New York and former chief innovation, excuse me, chief information officer at the uh, city of San Francisco in California. He also worked in El Paso, Texas, where we kind of left it off after the break as a startup founder and was a trailblazer on what we know now as the cloud, but uh, and eventually, Miguel, you got into uh, public government and uh, you took on a job in El Paso. Tell us about that transition and, and what you did there as the Chief Information and Innovation Officer and Director uh, uh, in El Paso. Yeah, so I was I was uh, invited to, you know, come in and help the city of El Paso, um, also in partnership, frankly, with the county uh, of El Paso. Uh, you know, bring technology to bear to really yeah, accomplish some transformation. The the county guys were making a lot of uh, good progress, doing a lot of good work. Um, the city guys were all, or guys and gals, I should, should say, were also doing a lot of work, but, but part of the opportunity there was to better coordinate with each other and, and really elevate the kind of the tech contribution to, the city manager's um, goals for the city of New York at that time. And so I was invited in to kind of help with that transformation. And, and um, you know, I'll tell you truthfully, and the way I tell this story publicly is I, I say that I can admit this because I've, I'm recovered. But at the time, I was, you know, pretty skeptical about what a, you know, 
government job would look like or feel like. And I, in my mind, was like, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a, a startup guy. I, you know, my skills are speed, agility, creativity, and those things just didn't seem, in my mind, to to fit with a with a government job, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was, you know, I was under the impression of those stereotypes. And uh, fortunately, uh, I was convinced to, to join, and I did, and it, it was a life-changing experience. Um, and I don't mean that flippantly. I mean, really, I went in thinking, I'm going to come in, you know, help uh, kind of direct some transformation, and then move on to, you know, the next startup or the next exciting thing. And, and you had no you had no vision at that point of leaving Texas. This was your home base. Yeah, well, during the startup days, I was back and forth between El Paso and the Bay Area. Okay. Um, just because of the nature of the tech, mm-hmm. um, you know, component. But I was, yeah, I was living in El Paso. I was, I was planted there other than traveling all over and kind of Bay Area maybe being a second home. I was, yeah, I was there. I was rooted there. Um, I got in. I, I experienced uh, just a personal transformation, frankly. Uh, when I saw how, how people were so dedicated, talented, and, and committed uh, to doing this good work of public service, um, it really struck me. And, you know, there was, a, there was a lack of support, a lack of understanding for the, the tech value proposition in public service. There was, to some degree, you know, a, a need for, for stronger leadership in the tech space. Um, but once we did that, we, we made, you know, when I, when I rattle off things we did in El Paso, people still don't believe me. And, and I was there two and a half years, and, you know, we implemented PeopleSoft. We built new data centers. We built a ballpark in downtown El Paso. We implemented a radio system. We implemented public Wi-Fi at all of our libraries and airport um, and all over downtown. We just, this long list of things that I tell people we did in two and a half years, and they just can't believe it, and that's a credit to uh, El Paso's um, run as, as lean and clean, I think, as, as a city government um, can be, at least at that time. I mean, there's mm-hmm. different leadership now that I'm not privy to, um, obviously, nearly as intimately, but at that time, it was a, it, it was an eye-opener for me. Yeah. Miguel Camino is our guest uh, on Grill Nation show today. Uh, check him out. His website is his name, and he's also on Twitter at Miguel Camino. Check it out. Uh, he does a lot of cool things and really good follow on social media. Miguel, you uh, found your way to San Francisco, which is kind of the, the tech hub. When I think of uh, innovation and technology, I think of uh, the Bay Area. And you uh, took your uh, job in El Paso and became the chief information officer of San Francisco and executive director of the Department of Technology in 2014. And how the heck did you go from El Paso to San Francisco? Yeah, you know, I got a I got a message one day. Um, I, I walked into the office and I got a message from the IT department at San Francisco. And at that time, as I'd mentioned, we were making so much progress in El Paso. We were I was kind of used to being on on vendors kind of referrals list, right? So we'd get calls from cities you know, asking us our experience with this project or that project, right? So mm-hmm. I thought it was that. I called the number back, and it was a, a executive search firm. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
They tricked me. Um, and, and I'll have to admit, you know, when I was in that job in El Paso and I started, ha- you know, having this love affair with public service kind of satisfaction, um, I told myself, I never told this to anyone out loud, but privately I said, there's, there are three cities that I would go to if they ever called. And San Francisco was one of them. And, and funny enough, New York was, was another. Um, and so when that all kind of came and that they invited me to, to, uh, you know, put my name in the, on the list, if you will, for consideration for the CIO job in San Francisco, uh, it, I did have to think about it because, you know, I was pretty well planted, if you will, in, in El Paso, but, um, I'm so glad that I decided to, to do, to do it. I'm so glad that they gave me the opportunity to, to go to San Francisco. Um, they initially, there were two of us that got finalists and, um, they initially hired the other guy as the CIO and I was the COO. Uh, but then eventually I, I took on the whole, CIO role there, and we made a lot of great things happen. Um, similar kind of transformation uh, experience that we had in El Paso. I met a lot of great people, both in the city and kind of in the industry, as you as you described. San Francisco is kind of seen as the nucleus of the tech space, and so um, just an absolute tremendous opportunity that was that was given to me to not only do good work for San Francisco, but um, further expand my own kind of personal um, horizons and, and capacity, uh, both in terms of experiences and network, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, you know, uh, I worked, I had the pleasure of working for Mayor Lee, who has, who was passed recently. And um, he, he, he was a really tremendous leader. Even when he was soft-spoken, it was clear how much he cared about, um, really serving San Francisco in an equitable fashion. And he understood the role of technology in that regard. He did a lot of great things like create the, I, I think under his watch, things like open data, the chief innovation office or the, the mayor's office of innovation, a bunch of really important things that he established that often kind of get overlooked in the rest of his legacy. But he was, he was a, a, a real important figure in, in my uh, professional life. So, um, we, lots of people miss him dearly, included me. Mm-hmm. Miguel Gamino is with us. You were the chief information officer, uh, of city of San Francisco. You did that for about two years along with, uh, you mentioned the COO job at the beginning. Uh, we have about two minutes left in this segment, Miguel, uh, two years there, two years in El Paso. And then how'd you end up as the chief technology officer of the city of New York? You're, yeah, like, you're like on congressional the, terms here. You just keep bouncing from city <laughs> to city. You know, is there any bigger cities that you can go to? No, I'm kidding. Uh, well, so what's well, up with Chief? Uh, what's up with New York? How'd you end up in there? We'll talk about the that part in the, the next segment. But yeah. um, I was again getting really comfortable in San Francisco. Had decided that you know uh, I wanted to stay. Um, you know balancing how long I would stay in government versus what I might do next in the private sector. I'd always, I'd always intended to go back to the private sector. I, I felt, I feel, I, I still feel like public service is really, really important for everyone to do, but also um, maybe important for it to be time bound to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while I'm kind of contemplating all this stuff, uh, the city of New York called and, and similarly said, Hey, um, 
short version of the story is uh, I got a call at 6 in the morning Pacific time, and that began a conversation about how I might serve the city of New York as chief technology officer, and that escalated pretty quickly, and, and next thing I knew, I was, I was on a plane moving my family uh, coast to coast, and uh, again, a, a tremendous opportunity afforded to me not only to serve the biggest city in the country, arguably one of, if not the most important city on the planet um, in many respects, um, a mayor that uh, I, I respect tremendously, uh, gave me a, a lot of support, um, and I had the, the, the benefit of, uh, again, building great relationships differently. Um, mm-hmm. The industry uh, diversity here in New York is, is really special, and so I've, I've built a lot of relationships that might be tech-related but are often not tech-related that, that uh, I think is, uh, again, for, kind of further expanded my personal capacity and understanding of how important this work is. Miguel Gamino is with us. After the break, I want to touch briefly a little bit more about the New York experience. Then I want to get into his new role. He's, he's left the public sector and is now in the private sector as the executive vice president uh, and head of global cities at MasterCard. You're listening to Grill Nation. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body. it drops. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. Appreciate you joining us today if it's on the radio at 980 AM or if you're listening via podcast on iTunes or at our website, grillnationshow.com. Great show so far. Happy to have on Miguel Gamino, who is the executive vice president uh, and head of global cities at MasterCard, former chief technology officer of the city of New York and former chief information officer uh, at the city of San Francisco, also worked in uh, government and technology in the El Paso, Texas area, and uh, excited to have him back on the show via the phone. Uh, Miguel, we were talking about New York. Uh, I was just curious. So you get these calls from these cities. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's pretty exciting, man. Is this typical for uh, people like yourself or in your industry to to travel to different cities and take on different roles, or do most people kind of stay put in one uh, in one sector? Are you that? Are were you just that good at what you did, man? And New York started calling. San Francisco started calling. I mean, do people bounce around in your profession in the public sector? Um, I think you know uh, there's a relatively you know small group of people who do this stuff. So I do think that we get um, calls fairly frequently. Um, I'm not aware of of anyone else who's taken the path I took. I mean, El Paso to San Francisco to New York City. I think I'm the only human to do that i think i'm the only human to to be on on both coasts at san francisco and new york um but it's you know there's a a group of people who uh, have all been doing some really great work in cities across the country um seattle boston chicago uh austin um and many many more that i've come to know the cios there and i think there's a there's a really special group of people right now working in this civic space. So you were uh, you were from Air Bill De Blasio uh, in New York uh, as of April 2018. You were still in that job. Um, you uh, were there for two years. You recently jumped to the private sector after these years back in government, and uh, you joined uh, Mastercard as the executive vice president and head of global cities. Um, 
tell us about that decision, man, because, you know, I mean, a lot of people around the world probably would die to have the chief technology officer job at the city of New York. Um, what convinced you to make the leap, man? Um, there's, there's a couple things. One, probably the most important element was, you know, we had really accomplished a lot of what I had set out to do. We, um, as you mentioned, Jeremy, you know, Jeremy and I created and launched a program called NYCX from cradle to, to launch, so to speak, um, inside of a year uh, in New York City, and, and, and he's still running that program, and it's, it's doing fantastic. I know he is um, because he reached out to me to tweet about it today, Miguel. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good, good. He's, he's on his marketing he's hustling. machine, too. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we made a bunch of progress on broadband. We issued a broadband report right before I left that really set the table for how New York can, can begin to go forward with accomplishing kind of broadband for all. Um, so we, so short story is, you know, I felt like we had accomplished a lot, um, in a very short period of time and, you know, well, we had just got through reelection. Um, it was just kind of a, a natural time to, to think about it. And, and the truth is, you know, um, as I mentioned in the previous segment, I, I think that there should be, I think it's healthy to have some quote unquote term limit, even if you're not elected and term limited, you know, I did more or less. Um, I did close to eight years over three cities, so so I I joke and say you know I I, I did two terms, um, and now you know presented with the opportunity to go to an organization like Mastercard who really espouses this uh, notion of of doing well by doing good, and having them invite me to take all the stuff I've learned um, in my public sector chapter and partner with cities literally around the world to help them make similar progress was just, you know, uh, an unbelievable opportunity, right? So <clears throat> to your earlier point about, you know, New York City, where do you go from there? Well, I, I think, I guess, you go to cities around the world and you help um, as many cities um, in, in different corners of the planet as, as possible. And, that, and that's a really special opportunity because, this isn't just about big urban centers like New York and London, although they are, you know, on our list of cities we, we engage with. But it's also, you know, uh, Medellin and Bogota in South America and, um, you know, Sydney and uh, Prague and um, Amsterdam, uh, you know, cities all over uh, Nairobi, you know, cities in literally in every corner of, of, the, of the world are on our list of, of um, partners that we want to engage with and, and help them move forward with this Smart Cities uh, concept. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading your uh, press release. Uh, you will, you've been in this job now for a little bit over a month, month and a half, and you will be scaling urban tech solutions and shaping new partnership models to address cities' most pressing challenges. Um, tell me more about that. Tell me what you've what you've done so far and tell me, Kind of what some of your um, uh, goals are for this new job at Mastercard? Yeah, I think Mastercard as an organization has a really special opportunity to to organize um, private sector industry partners uh, in a way that can bring a really special mix of assets, resources, solutions to cities, and then similarly help organize a partnership among cities 
to help them work together to scale the solutions faster um, and better. Kind of one of my underlying principles is that you know no city should should um, should start anywhere but where the last one left off. Right? They, they should all build on on those that that did the work before them. And so you know the ability to bring to bear those partnerships that way is something that you know maybe could only be done in New York and maybe can only be done by an organization like MasterCard that really can um, play across across many different fields. So uh, when we announced my um, joining the organization and taking on this role at uh, Smart Cities New York just a couple weeks ago, uh, we also announced a partnership with Microsoft uh, globally to, to, to work on this. So that's, that's evidence of um, taking this partnership concept serious um, in the effort to build better solutions that really pay attention to the city's voice and making sure that we're actually solving things that they need solved in a way that is useful and beneficial to the people who live in those cities, mm-hmm. not just the city organization. Um, but again, being able to amass you know major um, uh, private sector industry resources, uh, marshalling all that to to focus on solving those issues is is going to be, I think, going to deliver great outcomes, and it's going to be uh, really exciting for me to be part of. Miguel, over the last five years, MasterCard has engaged with over 100 cities worldwide, transforming residents' and visitors' access to transit systems, how urban planners use data insights, and how businesses buy and sell goods. Obviously, you, uh, in your role in New York and in San Francisco, obviously, most likely had heard about some of this work. Uh, that attracted you to MasterCard, because I assume that you, uh, you've had a lot of opportunities in your life uh, to work in the private sector, but you, you stuck with government. This really kind of was a big deal for you to make this leap. Yeah, along the way, you know, obviously, um, particularly in San Francisco, where I was um, literally, um, my office was across the street from companies like Square and Uber and Twitter. Um, I've, I've built great relationships with organizations like Salesforce and DocuSign, etc. Uh, there was, there are plenty of opportunities out there. I think it was. Um, what was really special about this was that philosophical alignment, right? It wasn't just, oh, we can build great technology that can help solve problems, but it was a real um, um, commitment to um, social impact. Like obviously, we're, we're a for-profit business. We're going to, you know, find ways to do well while we're doing good, but it, it's not for the sake of, right? And I think that, that really genuine desire to have um, meaningful impact on the way people live and work and play and experience cities um, is something that was that was the deal maker for me, mm-hmm. right? It was that was the that was the part of the equation that that I was looking for that Mastercard really has provided to me in spades, and so um, that's that's the beauty of this opportunity is to. We're not just talking it. We're we're really focused on 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 the the triple bottom line, if you will, the people, the cities, and the business. Miguel Gomino is our guest. Uh, his website is just his name at miguelgomino.com. Is on Twitter at Miguel Gomino. Miguel, you uh, we have a minute and a half left in this segment before we get to our final segment. We're going to talk about different cities throughout the country. Uh, you mentioned you're popping around San Francisco, El Paso, New York, traveling a lot. You got a family too. I mean, you've got a lot of support around you, don't you? Oh yeah. I mean, I uh, 
shout out to my wife. Um, Karina has been amazing. Uh, we have two young daughters. Uh, we the, the the youngest is just about to be two, so you could do the math. She was literally we had to wait in San Francisco for her to be born, so that we could <laughs> move her across the country, and and none of that is uh, easy uh, on the on the family you know network, um, mm-hmm. and so absolutely it's it's been uh, a blessing to be able to be focused on uh, you know this this people impact and social impact stuff while. Um, having a, a strong support system behind me. It's been a, a huge part of the equation. I could not have done it without that. That's awesome, man. you got to have your support system around them, both when you were your days as a startup founder and uh, to government and now to the private sector. Miguel is with us today. Uh, Miguel Gamino, he's the executive vice president of uh, the Global Cities Initiative. I got that right, didn't I, Miguel? Yeah. You're head of Global Cities uh, and uh, at MasterCard, also former Chief Technology Officer of the City of New York and Chief Information Officer of the City of San Francisco. In our last segment today, I want to talk to Miguel about uh, some of his travel, some of the things cities are doing now, and some of the things that he thinks are going to be important down the road here into the future. You're listening to Grill Nation. Thanks for joining us today on 980 AM KMBZ. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I appreciate you sticking with us today. We're in our final segment of the show on 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast. Today I'm joined by Miguel Gamino. He's on Twitter at Miguel Gamino. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. Really fascinating conversation with him talking about uh, his, his work in the public sector for the uh, city of New York as a chief technology officer as well as at the city of San Francisco as the chief innovation, excuse me, chief information officer, and as well in El Paso as uh, in various roles that were similar, such as the chief information and innovation officer in the city of El Paso. He's now the executive vice president and head of the Global Cities Initiative at Mastercard. Miguel, you've done a lot. You've traveled a lot. Uh, smart cities kind of just kind of took off. I, I, you know, that term kind of took off a handful of years ago. I knew nothing about it before that. It was it was broadband, rural broadband, broadband for everyone. Um, what are some of the things that you've noticed in different cities you visited that you know maybe people in Kansas City or areas around here can look to that have, have been really successful and cool that you're really excited about that people are doing right now? Yeah, you know, the thing that's maybe not as quote unquote cool, but super, super important is you mentioned this access to broadband. Um, you know, regardless of all the rest of the stuff we've talked about in this last segment about the cool things, if we don't ensure that everyone has access to, to broadband, so that they don't have access to the environment, then they're going to be left out of all the coolness that we're going to talk about, right? Yeah, right. And so um, it's, it's the plumbing, and so it doesn't, it's not sexy, but super, super important to accomplish the inclusion and equity goals of, of uh, tech. Um, so if we don't get that right, that's super dangerous. And it's still a struggle. Say, people are still struggling with that, a lot of people. I mean, yeah, yeah. digital inclusion I mean, is important and broadband, rural broadband. Absolutely. And it's not just rural. Like in, in San Francisco, um, there was, I think the estimate was about 100,000 people. Populations less than 900,000. And there was an estimate that it was about 100,000 that were unconnected or underconnected. 
and the proportion was the same in New York, about eight and a half million people, so a little short of nine, um, and somewhere in the neighborhood of a million people that were unconnected or underconnected. So it's a it's a real thing still. It's not just you know someone out in the middle of nowhere that that can't get an interconnection. This is people living in the heart of you know the first world, <laughs> and um, they either can't afford it, don't have good options, don't have good service. Anyway, the point is that broadband is still a problem um, that needs to be solved for uh, if we're serious about why. Why is that, Miguel? Why is that? Do you think what, what's the major factor? Um, it's multiple things. It's you know the the business model that has proliferated in the U.S. Um, you know has has limited the number of competitors in all these spaces. The cost of infrastructure is certainly a, a real issue. Um, I think that the government has had to wake up to how important this really is and begin treating it like a human right or, you know, the, like clean water and, and reliable electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and then there's also just the digital literacy piece with people themselves understanding how important it is that that it's not just, you know, um, a, a discretionary video game type decision or, or service, that this is, there's, there's real important information and service that's available on the other end of an Internet connection. So there's definitely a, a, an understanding and literacy component to it. So it's, it, that's the problem is it's a complex kind of, you can't just say, oh, if, if we just fix this one thing, then the problem goes away. It, it, is, it is complex, multiple players, both private and public sectors, um, and people themselves individually um, understanding the value of it and uh, calling for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we, we we got that as the big issue we got to address. What are some things that forward-looking cities are doing right now that you're really excited about as far as with smart cities and with technology? So I think um, the, the, the opportunity of digital is, again, assuming we've established the connectivity, the, the opportunity for digital is to really create access and equity in ways that we've never seen before. So people don't have to know someone who knows someone who can tell them which building to go to and what line to stand in to get access to a government subsidy or or a grant program or something like that. So really having democratized the information and access to the programs, I think, is, is a huge opportunity that comes from digitizing things. And then on the, on the smart cities front, you know, I think lots of – it's evolved – um, and it continued to mature, but we're still at the very early, I think, stages of that of that maturity curve. Um, there are some cities out there that have some great what we would call smart projects or you know connected projects like smart lighting or Wi-Fi. Kansas City is an example, but they're still fairly discreet. Um, and so I don't know that there is a city out there that is end-to-end smart the way that we kind of envision the opportunity. There are cities out there with smart projects. And so now I think you have a lot of cities, Kansas City included, from my understanding, thinking now more holistically about how do we stitch together these um, connected infrastructure, digital services, uh, data um, um, insights. How do we put these things together to have the city be more responsive and even anticipating the needs and wants of of the constituency. Mm-hmm. And there's also been a shift recently. I've seen, even in just a few years I've been involved, um, a, a, a real shift towards being focused on people. I started talking about it way back in El Paso. I wasn't alone, but I was I was among few. 
And now you're seeing at these big conferences in Barcelona, Smart Cities New York. Smart Cities New York is their their theme is powered powered by people. Um, so you're seeing a real um, authentic shift to understanding who all of this technology is supposed to serve. And that's you know, there Kansas City I put in that that league. Um, there are some cities that that are doing um, exceptionally well. In, at least in focusing on that on that goal in and that constituency. Miguel, just curious, you know, you were in the public sector. We might have some people listening who are startup people, entrepreneurs that might want to go through a path like you've done. You know, how does that happen? I mean, is it just they just get attracted by the city? You know, you present an idea, uh, an innovation that you have to a city because I know cities are listening more to entrepreneurs finally. Um, is that the best route, just to just to pitch your uh, idea, uh, your civic, your gov tech idea, your civic tech idea to a, to a guy like a former guy like you and that job and build those relationships? Is that a, is that advice for people that you know either want to get work with a city or want to get a job at a city? Yeah, I think you know the the advice is both sides. The advice is for the CIOs or CTOs in cities, and also for the entrepreneurs or technologists out there that want to engage with the cities, either as a vendor or as an employee. Um, uh, the advice is the same. It's, it's get out there, right? I, I had to tell myself this very early in my career that, you know, the, the opportunities happen in the lobby of the hotel, not in the privacy of your hotel room. And that's just a way of saying you have to put yourself out there. You have to engage. You have to have your eyes open for the opportunities to be, become visible to you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're a startup guy or a technologist, show up to town halls, show up to civic tech meetups, show up to um, whatever opportunities. Even if the even if the angle isn't super clear to you, meeting the people that are in that space is super important. And the same thing for the CIOs and CTOs is find a way to to be visible and be present so that people can find you. That these opportunity that these entrepreneurs or technologists who have um, you know creative ideas know where to find you. They know where to engage. And so it's, it's a mutual thing that, that both sides of the equation have to, have to, have to show up in the lobby so that they have the opportunity to meet one another. I love um, it. And then, and then the juice just kind of starts to flow from there. I think. Miguel Gamino has been our guest, executive vice president, head of global cities at MasterCard, former chief technology officer of the city of New York and chief information officer of the city of San Francisco. Miguel, congrats on your success. And I uh, look forward to keeping in touch with you. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Grill Nation. We'll see you again next week. Take care. Have a good one.